Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of 1 John. The New Testament book of 1 John and 1 John and chapter number 1. The book of 1 John chapter number 1. Now we'll be turning to the gospel record of John a little bit later, but make sure that you find your way to the book of 1 John, which is towards the end of the Bible. If you were going to work backwards, you have the book of Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John. So towards the end of the Bible, and I would like you, if you wouldn't mind, to take your copy of the Word of God and look with me to the book of 1 John. Now, our theme for this year has been the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that we know that we get our joy from knowing who Jesus Christ is. And as we have our joy in Him, we are strengthened for what God has given us to do. Now as we prepare to go to the very next year, we also understand that God just doesn't want us to have lives that we survive, but he also wants it so that way our joy may be full. And several different times in the word of God, that phrase appears that our joy may be full. And if you don't mind, I'd like to take a couple different passages today and explain to you this principle that our joy may be full and how we can have a life full of joy. To start off with, we look to the book of 1 John chapter number 1. The book of 1 John chapter 1, and notice with me in verse 1. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye may also, <laughs> that ye also may have fellowship with us, and that our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 John chapter number 1? 1 John chapter number 1 and verse number 4. Notice that end phrase, that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. And if you don't mind, let's take some time to study the Bible and several passages where it talks about this phrase, that your joy may be 
be fool. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, I'm asking that you would just encourage us through your word, that you would help us, that our joy may be full, that you would set things in order, set my mind in order, set these passages in order, and that you would glorify your own self today, that we could walk out of here, not miserable people, but victorious people, that we could walk out of here with full joy that would last from day to day to day because we know that you are a real God who loves us so very much. Again, I dare not trust my own right now. I have my own weakness, my own frailties, my own failings, my own shortcomings. So the best I know how, I set all those aside and give them to you and just ask that you just use me as your instrument. Fill me with your spirit. Get your own work accomplished today, Lord. We need you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, God wants us to be joyful people. Not just joyful people, but He wants our joy to be full. So what truths do we find in the Bible that can help us to have these joys? Notice, if you don't mind, in verse number 4, notice what He says, These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. It was so important that God had the human instrument to pin down this saying, to pin down this information, that we can have a written record for the purpose that our joy may be full. And we see this, this phrase repeated several times in Scripture. I'd like to take a couple different times and examine them and understand why we can have not just joy, but that our joy may be full. The very first thing I'd like to show you is that our joy is full when we realize the biblical account of Jesus is true. Our joy is full when we realize the biblical account of Jesus is true. Now, in the context of 1 John, it's written in approximately 90 AD. The Lord Jesus Christ had robed himself in flesh, dwelt among us. Then Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and rose again the third day, approximately 30 AD. So that means that 60 years have come and gone since the Lord Jesus Christ had walked the earth and had lived his life, ascended up to heaven, 30 or 60 years have passed since Jesus Christ has been bodily, physically on earth. Now during this time, because the Bible was still being written during this time, as many people have been uh, coming and going, about two to three generations of Christians have come and gone. There's been a a rising of a false teaching that's been telling people that Jesus is God. That's not false. But they've been saying Jesus is God and God is a spirit. So if God is a spirit, Jesus is a spirit, a spirit cannot have a body. Those are two separate things. That was the false teaching that was going around. So the people were teaching that Jesus is God. However, he did not come in the flesh. That Jesus Christ, he came down as a spirit, and as a spirit he floated among us, not lived among us. And that Jesus Christ, he, there was no physicality to him. And there was a false teaching that was going about, which is wrong. Now at this time, all of the twelve disciples except for one 
have come and gone. All the 12 disciples except for one have been martyred or killed. Paul the apostle has already been killed. He took a shortcut to glory when Nero beheaded him. The only apostle that is yet alive is John the beloved. John was one of the twelve. It is sixty years that have passed and he's by himself. However, God was wise and allowed him to live his life. So that way he could write this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as a testimony that John was someone who knew Jesus. Not only knew Jesus, but it recorded in the gospel record of John and the Last Supper that it was John that laid his head against Jesus' chest. He had that close relationship and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now as this false teaching is going about, it's one thing to say, well, I heard Jesus was real. It's another thing when he said, listen, I was there with him. I was friends with him. I followed him. I touched him. I ate dinner with him. He was real. And through it, he begins to counteract this false accusation, this false teaching about who Jesus Christ was. Jesus Christ had a witness during this time. John the Beloved. With that, look with me in the book of 1 John chapter number 1. And let's just see these couple verses here. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. Now he starts off by saying, listen, I'm a witness. And I just wasn't a witness. He says, I have heard Jesus speak. Can you imagine him to be able to say, listen, I heard Jesus speak with his, with his own ears lips I heard with my own ears. He was there. He was present. He was physical. I have seen with my eyes and I've looked upon him. So he was real. I heard him. He was real. I saw him. But notice this. We see another sense there. And our hands have handled him the word of life. How do I know Jesus is real? I heard him. How do I know Jesus is real? I saw him. How do I know that Jesus is real? I touched him. I handled him the word of life. You know, when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again the third day, he went and appeared to the disciples. Now, some of them were having a hard time believing he was existence. But one of the things that Jesus did is he ate with them. You know, that's one of the ways to prove that you're alive is if you eat. And so Jesus Christ ate with them. And when he disappeared, they could have said, oh, it was just a ghost. It was just a spirit. But then someone could hand pick up the apple that has teeth marks in it and said, look, he was here. He ate something. There's evidence that Jesus Christ was here physically. Well, as John is writing 60 years after the fact, he said, listen, I'm not a senile old man. I am a witness. I touched him. I heard him. I saw him. I handled him the word of life. He is real. Notice in verse 2. For the life was manifested or made apparent, made pure, and we saw, we have seen it, and bear witness and show to you 
that eternal life that was with the Father was manifested to us. Again, he's bearing witness of the life of Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ was indeed in the flesh. He was there. He was apparent. We saw it. Verse number 3. And that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, this is going to open up into the gospel record of John. Now, at this time, at 90 AD, you have three gospel records that are completed in pen. The gospel record of Mark, which shows Jesus Christ as the man of action. You have the gospel record of Matthew, that shows that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. You have the gospel record of Luke, which shows the historical Jesus Christ that is well-researched. Dr. Luke, what he did is he went and interviewed as many people as he possibly could to try to verify the facts of the life of Jesus Christ. But there's one gospel record yet still missing. And this is the gospel record of John who as the gospel John the Beloved is hearing these people talking about Jesus Christ. He wasn't real. That Jesus Christ, he was, he was God, but he wasn't in the flesh. That God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, took this old man and said, Listen, now it's about time to write your story. Now's the time to write what you witnessed, what you saw. And as the Apostle John took pen and paper in hand, he recorded the events of the life of Jesus Christ through his witnessing eyes. So everyone can see that the things which we have seen and heard declare we to you. He says, let me tell you what I saw. Let me tell you what I heard. Let me give you my witness account and put it to pen to paper so you can know that Jesus Christ is alive and notice this and have fellowship with us. Why? Truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. John says, I wrote these things down so that way you can know that the account of Jesus Christ, it's true. And because you know the account of Jesus Christ is true, verse number four, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. How is it that our joy may be full? Well, when we realize that the things that we believe about Jesus Christ is true. Can you imagine? There are several people who believe in th things that are false. You know, they're always going to be running up against people who are going to say what they believe is not true. And that's going to be a discouragement. It's going to be something that rolls them, uh, mulls them down, holds them down, beats them down. But for us, the thing that we believe about Jesus Christ, that he was God robed in flesh, is true. And we have evidence of it. That the things that we believe in is not false. It's not just something imaginary. It's not something that someone came up with. But we have eyewitness statements of people that were there. People that saw him. People that touched him. People that handled him. That Jesus Christ is real. And he dwelt among us. And not only was he a man robed in flesh, but he was also God. And when you read the gospel record of John, the whole purpose of the gospel record of John is so everyone can know that Jesus is God. 
We, what we believe about Jesus is real. We're not believing in a fairy tale. We're not believing in something imaginary. Could you imagine, just if you don't mind, put yourself in my place. My place as a preacher is to declare unto people what the Bible says. Well, if I didn't believe the, what the Bible was true, could you imagine how hard my job would be? I would be a charlatan. I would be an entertainer. I'd be someone who's trying to sell people on a lie. And you know, that would be hard after a while. You can get good at it, but you would die inside by telling people something that wasn't true. But how much easier is my job to declare people what the Bible said when there's proof and evidence that the things that we say about Jesus is real. Here is an eyewitness statement. Let's see what was recorded in the gospel record of Matthew. Matthew was there. Let's see what's in the gospel record of John. John was there. Let's see what happened in the gospel record of Mark. Who is giving the testimony of Peter's eyewitness account. Well that's wonderful. Let's go to the gospel record of Luke. Where Luke interviews people who were there. He interviewed Mary the mother of Jesus. That's why we have a complete accounts of what happened to Jesus as a child. As what happened when he was born. Let's give a gospel record of accounts to the 12 surviving members of the disciples. Let's give an accounts of Lazarus. Of Mary and Martha. Let's give the accounts of Zacchaeus. Let's give the... And we see in the gospel record of Luke. That it is a complete account. As Luke went and did interviews with people. Who saw him. Who heard him. Who handled the word of life. Why is it that our joy can be full? Because the things that we believe about Christ. Is true. And that our joy... May be full. We don't believe in a lie. We're not just doing something to help us to have some type of false peace. But we can have joy that is full. Because the things that we believe about Christ is real. What is the second reason why our joy can be full? Well turn with me to the gospel record of John. Now remember John wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. To be an eyewitness account. To record the things that he saw. Because of the false teaching that had been going around. Well turn with me. To the book of John chapter 15. And in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. We have something in this gospel records. That the other three gospel records do not have. What is this? This is the last several hours. That Jesus Christ had with the disciples. And as Jesus Christ is walking from the upper room. To the garden of Gethsemane. He pulls aside the 12 disciples. The 11 that remain. One of them took off. And he begins to instruct them and teach them about the things yet to come. Things they need to be prepared for. And two times within this walk to Gethsemane that Jesus Christ gives the remark. The things that he's telling the disciples is so that their joy may be full. The second thing I want to show you here is that our joy is full when we learn to abide in Christ. Our joy is full when we learn to abide in Christ. You know, first of all, we know our joy is full when we realize the account of Jesus Christ, it's true. A second reason why our joy can be full is when we learn to abide, to dwell, to live in Him. 
Notice with me in John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and notice with me in verse number 1. I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them in the fire and a burn. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Hereby is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so that ye shall be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, and so I have loved you, continue ye in my love. And if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I written unto you, or spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now, we learn this, that as we learn to abide in Christ, our joy might be full. Notice how many times the word Lord Jesus Christ uses that word abide. We find it in verse number 4, where it talks about abide in me and I in you. And then accept it abide in the van vine. No more except you abide in me. Three times in verse number four. Verse number five, we see the word abide again. Verse number six, abide. Verse number seven, abide. Verse <coughs> number um, ten, abide. Abide two more times if it's spoken. This word abide is something that Jesus Christ is putting an emphasis on. The word abide carries the basic meaning of dwelling. And it carries the idea that we live in him and he lives in us. That we live with him and he lives in us. That we abide together. Jesus Christ gives an illustration of a vine. The word vine is an old way of saying that big trunk of a tree, a branch. And as or as we have that trunk of the tree, you would have branches that would come from the trunk of the tree. Now the branch, if you cut it off by itself and set it on the ground, it is not going to produce fruit. The only way that it produces fruit, let's take an apple tree. So if we had an apple tree, we cut off a branch and we set it on our kitchen table, it doesn't matter how long you stare at it, it's not going to produce apples. The only time it's going to produce apples is if it's plugged in properly to the branch itself, to the tree itself, to the actual trunk of the tree. That branch will um, produce fruit. Well, Jesus Christ gives the same thing, that he is the main trunk and we have to be plugged into him. If you know how plants work, you have what is called the xylem and the phloem. He said, I don't want science and botany classes. Well, we know that what happens is that inside of the main trunk, that it's going to bring up nutrients from the soil that's going to go to the rest of the branches and to the leaves and to the fruit. 
Then on the other hand, you have the, the leaves that are going to soak up the sun and the leaves are going to, because of chlorophyll and photosynthesis, is going to get the energy and it's going to run those through the branch to the rest of the tree, to the trunk of the rest of the tree. And so we understand that we're going to get our life-giving nutrients and the energy and everything as we are plugged in properly to that trunk of the tree. That without the tree being plugged in, we are going to wither and fall away. That we have to be plugged into Christ and abide in Him. Now, this is where we get to terminology. Someone could say, well, fine, I'm living in Christ, that's great. Well, let's define, what does that mean? Well, Jesus defines that, verse number 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. Notice this, Jesus Christ has now put himself as the words. You cannot be a spiritual person without first being a scriptural person. If you are not in the word of God yourself, you are not abiding in Christ, period, in statement. You have to be in the Word of God yourself. You have to be soaking in the Word of God. This is the life-giving nutrients. This is the energy. This is the power. Is through the Word of God for yourself. If you are not in God's Word, you are not abiding in Him. People come up with cute little cliche statements that you read a chapter a day, keeps the devil away. That's a lie. You have to saturate yourself with God's word. You have to be feasting on God's word, devouring God's word, soaking it up, letting it soak in you. But not just reading God's word, it carries the idea that you have to obey God's word. Notice with me verse 9. For as the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. Alright, how do we continue in God's love? If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. You understand that you have to soak yourself, saturate yourself in God's Word. But not just saturate yourself and soak yourself in God's Word. But you have to obey God's Word. Alright? I'm trying to be a help. So let's be practical. If you are not reading your Bible every day, you are not abiding in Christ. If you are not faithful to God's house every time the doors are open and you are able to make it, you are not abiding in Christ. If there is something in your life where you know that you're supposed to do and you're not doing it, you are not abiding in Christ. Now, we like to make things complicated. God makes it pretty simple. How do we abide in Christ? We have to saturate, with, uh, saturate ourselves in God's word and be obedient to God's word. That's how we're abiding in Christ. That's how the life-giving flow and nutrients is going in and out. That's how we're abiding and growing. Why? Why is this so important? Verse number 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So ye shall be my disciples. Now, think about this. We have an apple tree. We talked about it before. A beautiful apple tree. What is the purpose of an apple tree? 
to produce apples, to produce fruit. Now, if we have part of the tree that's not producing apples, is that part of the tree any good? Any branches that are not producing? No, it's not doing what it's purpose to do. So the purpose of us is to bear fruit. How do we bear fruit? Only when we're properly plugged into God. Properly plugged into Christ. How are we properly plugged into Christ? By saturating ourselves in God's word and obeying God's word. Until you've done those things, you are not abiding in Christ. You are not going to produce much fruit. So, verse number 11. These things have I spoken unto you. Why? That my joy might remain in you. Notice that word, remain in you. He doesn't want the joy of the Lord to leave you. He wants it to remain in you and that your joy may be full. Where does it come from? When we realize that the things that we know about Christ is true. That helps us. And then because we know it's true, we live and abide in Christ. And our joy is full when we're doing what we're designed to do. And that is to produce fruit. Because we're abiding in Him. As we turn to one last chapter, John chapter 16. We could see something else about this joy being full. Notice with me in John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And notice with me, if you don't mind, starting at verse number 23. Still part of the same speech. Uh, Jesus Christ is still walking with the disciples. John is there. He's the eyewitness. And he's giving the verbal written account of what Jesus had told the disciples. John chapter 16. Notice with me in verse 23. In that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hereto ye have asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive. Why? That your joy may be full. Now, it's important to kind of illustrate here or demonstrate to, to discern. Verse number 23, Jesus Christ is talking about that they're asking him questions. At first ask in verse 23, in that day ye shall ask me nothing. And that's to a response to the saying, listen, you're not going to have questions about eternity, the millennial kingdom, about future things in that day. It's all going to be solved. You're not going to ask me questions about that. Those are going to be answered. Those are going to be solved. However, verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, truly, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name. That word ask now is a second word ask. It carries the idea of an inferior Asking a superior for something. So we're going to our boss and saying, Boss, I need this to complete what you've given me to do. To ask, to request something. Well, we're supposed to go to God and ask Him because He has everything. And we're going to Him humbly and asking in my name and He will give it to you. Notice that He says, ask it in my name. Verse 24, here too ye have asked nothing in my name. Ask and it shall receive that your joy may be full. When they ask in Jesus' name, it's so that way they can remind it of who Jesus is and their joy will be full. Why is that a big deal? Why do we ask in Jesus' name? Well, I'm asking in Jesus' name because I realize that Jesus Christ, He is real. 
there's eyewitnesses. The things that I believe about Jesus Christ is true. The things that I believe about Jesus Christ is real. It's not imaginary. It's not made up. I can ask in Jesus' name and remind myself, He is real. I'm talking to a real person. In addition, when I ask in Jesus' name, I can also ask because I've been abiding in Him. Jesus Christ I'm living in you. You've given me promises. I've been obedient to you. And I can ask in your name because I abide in you and you desire me to have much fruit. I can go and ask of you knowing that you want to give good gifts to your children. And that when Jesus Christ answers our prayer, our joy may be full. Oh, there's nothing like having answers to prayer. It's still amazing that we get excited and sometimes surprised that God answers prayer. But God promised He would. Why should we be surprised? We're talking to the God of the universe who could do everything. A God who loves us. A God who wants to give good gifts. A God who wants to do amazing things. And we can go up to Him as His children going up to a wonderful God. And we can ask in the name of Christ. Knowing that God is real. That Jesus is real. His promises is real. His word's real. And that He wants to do good things. And I can go to Him with joy. Knowing that He is a God who is able. You see God wants us to live joyful lives. And not just joyful lives, but lives that are full of joy. These things have I written unto you that your joy may be full. So let me ask you a question, dear friend. Is that how you would describe your life? That your joy is full? That you are overflowing in joy? Well, let me tell you that it can be. First of all, let me tell you that the things about Jesus Christ is real. That Jesus Christ is God who robed himself in flesh. And he dwelt among us. That Jesus Christ lived the same life that you and I lived. He went through the same temptations, the same troubles, and the same heartbreaks. Then Jesus Christ died on the cruel cruel cross to pay for your sins and to pay for mine. He died on the cross, was buried on a borrowed tomb. And the third day he rose again to live forevermore. And let me tell you that account is is true. It's not made up. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a story. Jesus Christ was God and he lived on this earth. He died on the cross so you can have forgiveness of sins. Let me tell you, we're not trying to sell you a fairy tale. We're not trying to make you believe in some type of mythological story. We want you to believe in things that are true. And Jesus Christ is true. And you can accept him as your savior to forgive you of all of your sins. That's the very first place you need to start. Is that the account of Jesus is true. And you need to accept that account of Jesus for yourself. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants to prove to you and give you full joy when you have your sins forgiven because the account of Jesus is true. For those of you who do know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the next thing, you should have a joyful life, but it only comes when you abide in Him. 
Part-time Christianity, you will not be abiding in Christ. When God is only has a time on Sunday morning, you are not abiding in Christ. You have to be daily in the Word. You have to saturate yourself in God's Word. You have to be getting God's flow. You have to be living in Him. By the way, that's not hard. It's easy if we desire to be with Him. And God wants to be with Him. And then as we abide in Him, it's going to be evidence that we're when we are obedient to His Word. When we have no problems, it's not grievous to obey His commandments. We start abiding in Christ. And let me tell you, that's the best life. When we're living a life that's honoring to Him. And then we can have a life full of joy when we know we can go to Him and get our prayers answered. What a wonderful thing to know for sure that God will answer my prayers. That I don't have a doubt. You know, there are sometimes that are people that they haven't been faithful to God's Word. They haven't been reading the Bible. They haven't even been talking to God. And when something happens, when they have to have their prayers answered, they pray knowing that they're supposed to go to God. But is He listening? Is he there? What a horrible feeling that is. When you have to get a prayer answered. And you don't know if he's even listening. Let me tell you that you can know for sure that God hears you. You can know for sure that he wants to answer your prayers when you're abiding in him. That's part that these things are written. That your joy may be full. So dear friend. Do you have a joyful life? Do you have an abundantly joyful life? Are you abiding in Him? Let me tell you, there's a life that you can have that is beyond just surviving. There's a life that you could have that is more than just going by day by day. That God has given you these things that your joy may be full. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.